Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. second chance to finish first. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the championship game. You're not the new coach. Are you expecting somebody different? <laughs> Younger. Both incredible and improbable confrontation. Well, those of you who don't know, my name is Norman Dale. I coached college ball for 10 years, but it's been 12 years since I've blown this. In the illustrious history of the Indiana High School basketball tournament. That's a hell of a team you had there. You knew that team? I know everything there is to know about the greatest game ever invented. With a pint size hardly big enough for three syllables, Hickory Huskers, enrollment 64. Out of here, right now. You kicking me out? Yes. Don't come back until you learn to keep your mouth shut and listen. Take on the defending state champions, the mighty bears of South Bend Central. Run you off the boards. You got to squeeze them back in the paint. Make them chuck it from the cheap seats. Already calling this the game of the century. I've seen them, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days. News people from all over the Middle West are here to witness Hoosierland's version of the Cinderella story. It's got to work out this time. Now that's it for good. The starting lineup for the Huskers. Well, my boys only know basketball farming in school. A basketball hero around here is treated like a god. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. I love you guys. Gene Hackman, Barbara Hershey, Dennis Hopper, Hoosiers. They needed a second chance to finish first.
All right, guys, welcome back to The Tragedy of Cinema, episode 22, where we'll be discussing the famous movie Hoosiers. I'm your host, Jimbo, and today I have a special guest in studio with me. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, this is uh, Eric. Nice to see you, Jimbo. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, Eric is a uh, former uh, high school friend of mine. Uh, we haven't really seen each other in 25 years, uh, save for one time about a month ago where he had listened to the podcast and wanted to reach out. So uh, we've since rekindled, and we've been talking a lot these last couple of weeks. So Eric's good to have you here. Thank so, you. Uh, a lot of people may not know what Hoosiers is. Uh, you know, what would you say a Hoosier is? Basically, a Hoosier is a person from Indiana or somebody that lives here. Right. It's a it's a, a dubbed name given to all. We we don't call ourselves in, call ourselves Indianans. We right. call ourselves Hoosiers. Right. So, uh, but before we get too much into further, of course, he's filling in for Terrence uh, since Terrence doesn't really do sports movies. Uh, there'll be a couple he'll sit in on, but. We're going to throw the ever-famous question to right. Mr. Eric Cummings. So, Eric, my question for you today, and you have no knowledge of what I'm going to ask I, you. I do not. Why don't you go ahead and give me your top five favorite sports movies of all time? Uh, top five sports movies. Well, this And one... then on top of that, after that, I want you to answer your top three favorite basketball players of all time. Okay. Uh, that was probably easier for you. Um, probably. A little <laughs> bit easier. Um, I would say top five sports movies... Um, well, two of them were written and directed by the same guys. We're going to touch on that later. But um, Hoosiers, obviously, and uh, this is a that's a good one. Uh, Rudy would probably be uh, probably one of my second. Uh, Field of Dreams, great baseball movie. That that was probably my third. I got to come up with five. It's really um, difficult. You had like remember the Titans or that Amen was a good one. Um The Pride of the Yankees. You haven't watched it yet, but I did like to. that. Uh, Glory Road was another probably lesser known basketball movie. Uh, Varsity Blues. Yeah. So uh, Major League. I think we got five there. Yeah, Major <laughs> League's great. That's uh, that's always a, a good watch for a laugh. Right. All right. So go ahead and give me your top three favorite basketball players of all time. Okay, well, they all played in the same era, which and, was the best era in my right, opinion. Right, we talked we talked about this on Facebook a little bit uh, the other day. Um, probably Jordan. I think he he takes precedence uh, just by nature of his winning and uh, just all aspects of how he uh, brought notoriety to the game. So I think he stands alone still. Probably Larry Bird. Um, I favor him obviously because he's from the state of Indiana. And then uh, I got to say he's largely underrated, but I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is really up there near the top uh, in the in the basketball world for sure. Right. So there you go. Now you feel how Terrence. Uh, Eric was a little intimidated coming on the podcast because he didn't know how he was going to replace the golden pipes of Terrence. Yeah, so big shoes to fill. So. <laughs> big shoes to fill, yeah. Terrence. So he's a fan of yours and your voice. So. Um, Let's go ahead and just jump right into this. Uh, Eric's actually going to take over for Terrence. He's actually going to run through the, the uh, technical aspects, the awards and all that. So we're going to go ahead and give it to him and let him run with it. Go ahead, Eric. Take it away. Okay, Hoosiers. Uh, the release date was February 27, 1987. It had an estimated budget of $6 million. Uh, the this, 14 is, this is million the conversion. Is the conversion rate, yeah, $14 million in today's dollars. And it grossed uh, $28.6 million, and that would be 68 Point, or excuse me, $66.8 million in today's money. So I think it uh, did very well, <laughs> uh, despite Gene Hackman not thinking so highly of it. But it was directed by David Anspaugh and Angelo Pizzo, or Pizzo, I'm not for sure how to pronounce 
his last name. Uh, the technical aspects, uh, the runtime was one hour and 54 minutes, so that'd be 114 minutes. Uh, the sound mix was Dolby SR, and again, you'll have to forgive me because I'm not familiar at all with these technical <laughs> aspects, but we'll uh, plow through them. Color was a CFI color, and the aspect ratio was 1.85 to 1, and the camera was a camera Airflex camera uh, and lenses, and the laboratory was Consolidated Films Industries, uh, CFI in Hollywood, California. The film length was 3,112 meters, and the negative format was 35 millimeters. The cinematographic process was spherical. Uh, printed film format was 35 millimeters. And you, that, you made it through that, you know, the cinematography. You know, a lot yeah, of people, a lot of, a lot of people mess up on that, but I think you got that one right. Yeah, well, you know, a lot, I had to practice a little. <laughs> so the awards uh, category, we moved on to the most important at the top of the list, the Academy Awards in uh, USA 1987. Uh, they were nominees for Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, which was Dennis Hopper. He's great in this movie, by the way. Fantastic. Best uh, music was original score by Jerry Goldsmith. And um, the Golden Globes, USA 1987, they were a nominee for the Golden Globe for best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a motion picture. That, once again, was Dennis Hopper. Uh, American Cinema Editors, USA 1987, they were a nominee uh, for the Eddie, uh, the best uh, edited feature film. Uh, Carol Timothy O'Meara and uh, Film Independent Spirit Awards 1987. They were a nominee uh, for an Independent Spirit Award, the best first feature for David Anspaugh, the director, John Daly, the producer, Carter DeHaven, producer, Derek Gibson, producer, and Angelo Pizzo, producer. Uh, Heartland Film Festival 1996. They were a winner of the Special Achievement Award for David Anspaugh and Angelo Pizzo. And uh, National Film Preservation Board USA 2001, they were a, min- a winner for the National Film Registry. So as you can see, there was there was a lot of recognition for this movie. Um, and it wasn't just for its basketball. It was, it was more about the story it told, which right. we'll get into a little bit here in a right, little right. bit. So go ahead and give us the synopsis. The synopsis uh, is a coach with a shaky past and the town drunk who loves basketball lead a small Indiana high school basketball team to the finals in 1954 and what most people don't know about this movie is it's actually based on a true story which we'll touch on here in a minute but first let's hit the cast um the cast had a solid cast uh, gene hagman as coach norman dell barbara hershey as myra fleener dennis hopper as shooter flatch sheb woolley as cletus summers uh, Maris Valenius as Jimmy Chitwood, which was probably one of my favorites in the movie besides Ollie. Uh, David Nydorf as Everett Flatch. Brad Long as Buddy Walker. Steve Holler as Raid Butcher. Brad Boyle as Whip Butcher. Wade Schneck as Ollie McClellan. Kent Poole as Merle Webb. Scott Summers as Strap Pearl. Fern Parsons as Opal Fleener. And Chelsea Ross as George Walker. Now, I haven't done this the last couple of episodes, but I wanted to make sure I actually touched on this for this episode. I chose uh, Dennis Hopper to do a little short biography uh, on him and his career um, because he is fantastic in this movie, and he's a a Hollywood legend. So he was born on May 17, 1936 in Dodge City, Kansas. He died May 29, 2010 in Venice Beach, California from prostate cancer. 
His career spanned over 50 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. Uh, His famous acting and directorial roles in Easy Rider, uh, True Grit, Hang 'em High, Speed, Waterworld, which is underrated in my opinion. I loved him in that. Mm. Uh, True Romance, yes, Super Mario Brothers, and Apocalypse Now, among many others. What most people don't know is he was a skilled photographer and a painter and has had several works of his in different galleries around the world. Wow, that's interesting. He stated that James Dean was the best actor he had ever worked with. On James Dean, I'll give you a little side uh, side Bring bar it on. Uh, James Dean actually, uh, he was a player on an Indian, obviously he's from Indiana, but he actually played against Milan back in the 50s. Uh, he was a high school basketball player. Do you and know where he went to high school? I do not remember the name of the school <laughs> he went to uh, because a lot of those schools aren't in existence anymore. Right. But, uh, yeah, that was an interesting fact. Uh, just reading up about the movie that I discovered, he probably discovered it also. Nice. And here are some uh, famous quotes from him. Uh, there are moments that I've had some real brilliance, you know, but I think they are moments. And sometimes in a career, moments are enough. I never felt I played the great part. I never felt that I directed a great movie, and I can't say that's anybody's fault but my own. So the way he thought of himself, he, he didn't think he had great moments or great parts. He just had great moments. This is this one is really funny. He said, I made a picture called Super Mario Brothers in 1993, and my six-year-old son at the time, now he's 18, uh, he said, Dad, I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why did you play that terrible guy, King Koopa, in Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> and I said, well, Henry... I did that so you could have shoes. And he said, Dad, I don't need shoes that bad. Wow. <laughs> Kid wow. wasn't a fan, was he? No, it? I guess not. Uh, and then the last one he said is, uh, work is fun to me. All these years of being an actor and a director and not being able to get a job, two weeks is too long to not know what my next job will be. Wow. So his work ethic was pretty much yeah, out there. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, now we're going to move into the actual movie. Um, the way we're going to do this is uh, just like if you listen to the last episode of the Pride of the Yankees, we're just going to—it's just going to be an off the cuff talking back and forth, uh, kind of work our way through the movie. Um, this movie was filmed in Indiana. A lot of it. Um, my aunt and uncle, uh, Uncle Ronnie uh, and Aunt Peggy, actually used to live on the road that the general store scenes were filmed on. Okay. Um, so when we go up there, we could drive down the road and go see where it was filmed. So. Wow. It was pretty cool. We could actually go up there one day if you want. Um, So just before we start, one thing I want to say is the music in this is fantastic. Right, right. That, that, you know. The the opening scene. The Hoosiers theme or whatever. And uh, you see it like when they're going on their bus trips and their rides and everything. Just that music gets you pumped up. You know I mean? (laughs) They're on that winning streak. and you're like, Yeah, this is great. Sure. Um, Actually, I have the record over here somewhere, the actual record. So Nice. Um, So you can go ahead and take it away. We'll go ahead and start and... Um. Okay. Uh, I don't know where you want to start. You want to start we'll just start with the movie, and we'll just work we'll our just, way through and talk I've about it. A lot of facts, I guess. Some side. Do you want to talk about notes? the actual basketball team first? Uh, the story that based no, on. We can or? start with the movies. Okay. Just, it it more relates. I have two categories really, as it pertains to the to the actual movie, like uh, the writer David Anspaugh and Angelo Pizzo were uh, actually college roommates at IU, and so that's how they. Uh, came to know each other and obviously writing the movie uh, they pattern uh, coach Norman Dale's character largely was based on Bob Knight the legendary coach and if you think about this time period in 1986 this was like at the zenith the peak of Bobby Knight's uh, I guess you could call it celebrity winning Uh, he was you know 
really um, almost like a god, small g, obviously, uh, in, in the state of Indiana, and he was he was everything. So uh, they based a lot of their characterizations of, of Norman Dale uh, off of Bob Knight, and I just think it's interesting that life imitated art, and they would have never known this when they wrote the movie, but how... Uh, you know, the backstory with Norman Dale was that he uh, had an altercation with a, a student athlete and actually punched him after it a game. Physical, he, it got physical. It got physical. He alludes to that in the movie, and then he kind of goes away and is in the Navy for several years. And then uh, I'm assuming uh, was an old friend uh, who had called him back to be uh, a high school coach at an obscure small Indiana, town. Small town. And calls him back and gives him a job, really kind of doing him a solid and getting him back into the coaching profession. And so I just, I just think that's interesting how that parallels the life of Bob Knight, who was actually fired by Miles Brand for an altercation. Well, it was actually started with a video that surfaced of him of choking Neil Reed, Neil Reed in a practice. He was one of his players, who then was he was subsequently put on a no tolerance policy. For the incident and under uh, Miles Brand, and then of course broke the zero tolerance policy by when a kid came up to him and said, "Hey, what's up, Knight?" And uh, he viewed that as a an act of disrespect, and then kind of grabbed the kid by the arm and wanted to kind of teach him a lesson, and then ended up getting fired because of that right. whole situation. Yeah. Um, by the way, I found it right here. Um, Dennis Hopper appealed, appeared in Rebel Without a Cause in 1955 and Giant in 1956 with James Dean, right. who was a native Hoosier who played for Fairmount, in, uh, which was an Indiana high school basketball team in the late 1940s. Fairmount, yeah. Fairmount. Yeah, so. That's good to know. Um, this movie also features a Dennis Hopper's only um, Oscar-nominated performance, which fi- I find that odd because he's such a tremendous actor. Um and you're going to hear um, – I'm going to put this audio in right here with um, Dennis Hopper talking about the movie Hoosiers. So give this a listen. It's just a wonderful story. I, I play uh, – I have a son that plays in the basketball uh, – on the basketball team, and I'm the sort of the town drunk. Um, <clears throat> it's a very, very moving part. It's a part that I got nominated for an Academy Award for. Uh, the only time that I was ever nominated as an actor. It's a, about a coach who comes back to this small town who's been banned from basketball because he hit one of his players. They went uh, to the state championship in Indiana, which is a very big thing in high school, and they built, be, beat the uh, the big professional, uh, the guys that were going to become professional uh, uh, basketball players. Big O, Oscar Robinson, who was a professional who played in the final game against them, said he came on the set where we were shooting and he said, in my professional career, every time we were like, you know, we had uh, a big underdog against us, I always thought of these little white termites that were so small we couldn't even find them. They just ran all around us and whipped us. So I never forgot that game. I mean, Hoosiers had it. Uh, David Anspa, the director, and uh, uh, Angelo Pisa wrote the screenplay, and they both went to the University of Indiana. Uh, They were both big fans of Bob Knight, who was the coach there, basketball coach there. And uh, this was a true story. This story, actually, James Dean played against this team in Hoosiers, which was, uh, I found out, in 1951. 
it's just inspirational. You know, I mean, I have so many coaches come to me and so many players and say, professional professional teams, that when they get down on the plane, the coach puts it in and they're all watching Hoosiers suddenly. So, uh, and it's the first time in my career because I play so many villains that uh, little kids came up to me and called me coach. <laughs> yeah. Gene Hackman is wonderful in that. And all the kids, none of the kids had ever acted before. So, uh, Gene spent an awful lot of time with them and uh, really worked hard with them. But we'd sit over on the side and Gene would say to me, this movie, what are, what are we doing in this movie? How crazy is this? No basketball movie has ever made any money. He said, no, college, professional, nothing. And we're doing a high school basketball team? We should have our heads examined. And he said, why don't they shoot the money? Come over and shoot the money. They're always shooting those kids playing basketball. But he was very funny. And then he'd go and just work his... Uh, work his buns off uh, helping them. All right, so as you can see right there, he had some words uh, about talking about Gene Hackman and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, one thing that always struck me as interesting is that when I was doing this research for this movie, Gene Hackman didn't want anything to do with this movie. No. I can't really... find a single interview, uh, audio, video, anything that he wanted to do this movie. Right, there's a – I been, was reading a, an article – uh, the other day, it was talking about. I guess there is a, uh, a scene in the movie where uh, him and Shooter are on the bench and they're talking to each other and they're kind of laughing and bantering. Yeah, I have forward. that right here. Right, and they're talking about, you know, this is going to sink our careers, both of us. You know that, right? And they kind of laugh about it in the in the in the moment. But. Yeah, the the actual quote. Uh, they found out years later. Here's the actual quote. It says, "Hopper, I hope you're invested well because you and I are never going to work after this movie. This is a career-ending <laughs> film for both of us." <laughs> Which, right, right. That gives you an indication of what he thought what the he movie thought was going to do. Right, and even, I think even in the in the clip you just uh, played, Hopper talks about um, how they um, they had a conversation about uh, how. Gene Hackman thought that you know no one even watches sports movies about professional teams or college teams, let alone who's going to care about uh, you know a team, a high school basketball team, an obscure story. But obviously, it did very well. Right, um, and some other things is uh, that he would uh, the the producer was really the director was really excited to work with Gene Hackman, and but he's like you know I've heard all these fun things about him. It's this is going to be a great movie. And then just Gene just came in and. You know, his attitude was terrible and, you know, uh, just causing problems on the set. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is like, didn't want to be there and, you know, all this stuff. But then once um, they thought they were going to have to call him back in to uh, redo some audio for the movie, that um, Gene Hagman said, I was like, man, how did you put this together? <laughs> you know what I mean? Basically, because yeah. he was amazed that that right. actually got through. So, yeah. um, so if we go back to the movie for a minute, so here we have uh, Gene Hagman coming into the town, Coach Normandale. Um, one of the interesting things to me is that when you know he goes in, the lady thinks that he's supposed to be younger. So when he goes into practice, there's the one of the town's guys, and they're already in there running the practice. And he's mm-hmm. like, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, "Oh yeah, we're running practice. I figured we'll do some some scrimmage and all this." And he's like, um, "Yeah." He's like, "You're not coaching anymore." He's like, and "By the way, go ahead and leave." <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and the kids were like, "What?" You know, and and, and they're sitting there and. Um, so he kicks everybody out, and so Norman Dell's there, and he starts talking to the kids, and he's like, and then you have those two kids that start whispering and giggling. He's like, you got something to say. Let's say it. He's like, yeah, I just want to know when we're going to shoot or whatever. He's like, 
out. Both of you out. So he kicks them out of practice, kicks them off the team. He's like, if you change your mind, you know, come talk to me. Right. And I just thought that was like set the tone for the entire movie. Like, because he's like, this is my team. Everything right. that you know before you're out. And then you start seeing them going through the practice. I know me and you were on the same high school basketball team yeah. and running them suicide drills and, you know, dribbling drills. And that's what he put them through. He just put them through, like, you know. The he's fundamentals like, of the game. Right. Sure. He said, he said, you know, anybody can shoot the ball. He's like, but we're not going to be tired on the court. We're going to give everything we have, and we're not going to be the ones that are tired on this. Yeah, they couldn't be. They only had six players. Right. And, well, five and a half, as yeah. the one guy says, because right. Ollie. Um, so I just thought that was really cool uh, how how they transitioned to that. And then, you know, the one guy comes back. So he, the guy brings his son back in. He's like, Coach, I'm really sorry. You know, I'd be appreciative if I can get back on the team. He's like, well, we still got an hour of practice. Go get dressed. And um, then the dad's like, these guys bothered you? <laughs> you know, and he's like, yeah. He's like, all right, guys, you heard him. Get out. And he kicks them all out. I that, thought. that actually was an interesting note that I wrote down that might have been taken from the actual coach of Mylon Marlon, or excuse me, Marvin Wood. Um, he really, um, <clears throat> that was one of the things in the bio that I read, that he closed practices um, to the outside, you know, um, community, well, which, which really rubbed people a lot the right. wrong way, even in the community back in, in Milan. I think they just took that idea and then they obviously well, and, transported and, and, it to the movie, which makes it really neat. Right, and being from such a small town, um, there's really not much to do. You no. know what I mean? There's there's a bunch of farmland. No, there's a there's a general people store right. in the whole town, and, and and the high school basketball team they rally around them people. Absolutely, you know what I mean. So that was all part of their life. So you start getting the movie, and and uh, uh, you come to find out that there's a really great player named Jimmy Chitwood in this movie, which in real life um, his name's Mile uh, Bobby Plum. Bobby Plum, yeah, right. So um, they're all like, well, we're not going to win anyway because Jimmy's not here. You know what I mean? But, but what they, what you see in the movie is you see him just peeking around corners, you know, watching the practices. Um, and you hear him, um, people talking. You see him in the crowd, you know. And one of my favorite scenes in this movie is, like, it's one of their first games. And they only have six players. or Yeah, six players. So... Um, one guy fouls or one guy fouls out, right? And so then another guy fouls out and uh and uh no, no. One guy fouls out and uh the one guy there was a rule that he put into place that you have to pass the ball four times to look for the good raid, shot. Raid. Right. Before you disobey ma- the right. rules. So he goes in there and uh they're they're just getting d- demolished. So after halftime comes out, he's like uh he comes out and uh, he starts just shooting, you know, making buckets like after just one pass or just dribbling up the floor and shooting. So then you know, the one guy fouls out, uh, or he takes the coach takes him out of the game, mm-hmm. and then he's sits like, him down. "Yeah, sets him down and uh, put the other guy in." So the other guy fouls. One of the guys fouls out, and next thing you see, he you see that guy his... rip off his jersey. He's like two four, check it into the game or whatever. Right. And and the coach is like, "Sit down. What are you doing?" He's like, "Going in the game." And then the he's ref like, comes over. Sit down. And he goes, "He goes what?" He's like, "My team's sit on down. The court. Yeah, my team's he on goes, the court." Coach. You got four. You need one more. He's like, my team is on the floor. Yeah. You know, and I, and he's like, oh, okay. And, you know, and I think that from that point on that they found out what kind of coach they were dealing with. You know right. what I mean? You, you're going to listen to me. You're going to do it my way or it's the showers. Yeah. And um, you can see it at the and when they go back into the locker room after that scene. Obviously, Ray's upset. You know, he's like throwing stuff. And then, one, you know, coach comes down there and he says, you better think long and hard. You got all weekend. If you want to be on this team, you know, we got practice Monday. If not, then I suggest you don't play. And uh, so one of the guys states, I can't remember which one, but he states, you know, um, hey, guys, maybe he's right. Let's think about it. You know what I mean? So um, they all get together. And I just thought from that point forward that they really gelled as a team. So right. right. 
so Coach Norman Dell, he's heard all this thing about Jimmy Chitwood, right? And so um, the one lady's like, just stay away from him. I don't want you anywhere near him. You know, I look after him. And one of the most uh, scenes for me, uh, kind of scenes, is he goes and Jimmy's outside and he's shooting. Like in most Indiana, uh, those that you don't know, basketball is huge here. And there's usually a basketball goalpost somewhere on the property right. of every person. Right. And this is just an old dirt pat, uh, dirt court cool. right. and this one little basketball goal. And Jimmy's sitting there and he's just shooting. And Norman's talking to him. And he's just passing the ball back for him. And, you know, he only missed one shot that entire time. Yeah, that was a point that I was going to bring up. I mean, they did they did a few camera angles, close-ups on him shooting. But most of it was a wide shot. And that's something that we picked up on even as little kids. Like, man, Jimmy only missed one shot. And it was the last shot before right. Coach walked away. Well, because what Coach tells him. That, and I thought that was iconic because the last thing he, he grabs the ball and he says, look. He says, I don't care if you play for me or not. Right. And he threw the ball back to him, that he misses the shot. And I was like, man. But actually, he only missed three shots the entire movie. Yeah. He only had three lines the entire movie. Right. We and one of them, like... and we're getting ready to talk about one of them. So, uh, basically, you know, they're, they're, they're losing games, whatever. Well, it's uncovered about his controversy with the choking or the physical. That lady digs up information. She got it sent to her. Right. And so, they're having this town hall meeting where they decide that they're going to basically vote to fire him. And... Uh, I love this scene because, you know, the lady gets up there to read. Um, she's got the note in her hand, and she's like, um, well, you know, she gets up there. She says, I think it'd be a mistake. You'd think she's getting ready to blow his cover. She says, I think it'd be a mistake to let him go. So they take a vote, and they're like, the no's have it or whatever. Well, in the meantime, Jimmy walks in, and uh, he walks past Jimmy, what are you doing here? So he walks into the, the church or whatever where they're at, and he's like, he goes up there and he whispers something. He's like, I got something to say. So he gets up there in front of everybody and he's like, look, he said, I figure it's about time for me to start playing some basketball. And everybody, ah, we knew it. If we got rid of this coach. Immediately changes right? the attitude like, of everybody. Like, yeah, we knew if we got rid of this coach that he would come play for us, right? And uh, he's like, I got one condition. He says, uh, he goes, I go. He stays, I play. That's one of his three And then he, just, then he just walks out, right? So... Uh, and Norman Dell said, they're like, oh, what just happened? You know, well, and then the guys like, well, we already voted. Like, we demand a revote. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it just totally changed the thing. Well, then they start going on this winning streak. And somewhere in between all this, we get introduced to Dennis Hopper, which I think is probably the, the best actor in this movie, the role that he played. Um, what most people don't realize is Dennis Hopper just came off of um, out of rehab for actually being an alcoholic. So that was one of the oh, reasons wow. he didn't that. really want to play this part. Mm. Um, but he knew that he could do it justice. You know, I mean, he didn't feel comfortable doing it, but he knew he could do it. So uh, one thing I found that uh, if you remember him walking out onto the field, uh, the, the drunk in the middle of the game, remember? Right, yeah. Because he was a great basketball mind. He knew all the all the plays He's, and everything. But uh, He knows everything there is to know about the greatest game ever invented was his line. <laughs> right. yeah, that's a great right. line. It's a great line. So uh, when he goes, he told the director, he's like, hey, I want a 10-second 10, 10 notice before you call action, before we start. And he was – so the director would give him the cue, and he would spin around 10 times to get the drunk. So when you see him staggering onto the field, he's actually really – he dizzy. actually got that from James Dean. Right, he I did, right here. Um, That's how he He said uh, – he remembered James Dean doing the same thing on Giant in 1956. He asked George Stevens for 30 seconds. So he was spinning around for 30 seconds. You know, okay. Dennis Hopper said, I'll just take 10. You know okay. what I mean? So, um, so there we have uh, him. But, uh, and he's actually one of the uh, kids' dad on the team. And his his son gets really upset, you know, because there's a scene where he's like, 
uh, comes into the the diner and he's like, hey, uh, you know, he's whispering and he's asking for something. He's like, sure, you know. And uh, his son's, well, he didn't see his son was sitting at a booth behind him. He's like, give it back. He's like, oh, I just need, you know. He's like, give it back. He's like, I'm sorry, sir, or whatever. And he's like, let's go. And he takes his dad out. So uh, when all this is happening, uh, Gene Hackman decides, you know, hey, I need to invest in this guy. This yeah, guy, that's, he goes. That's a great dynamic, too, between those guys. You know, the understanding of needing a second chance. Obviously, Coach. Norman Dale understood that, and he invested his time and energy. That's a great part of the movie, a real, you know, a personalized part right. of the movie that makes it so great. I like how, yeah, because as Norman Dale got a second chance, he's passing that on to sure. Gene, uh, Dennis Hopper, right. a shooter, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and he, you know, when he goes to his house and he goes up there and Dennis Hopper's with a gun, he's on my property. Right. <laughs> he's like, look, he's like, I understand you're, you're, you have a great basketball mind. You know everything about basketball. He's like, I need you to come work with me. You know, I want. He's like, but there's one condition. He's like, you got to be sober. You know, we can't have you out there embarrassing your son. You know, so I mean, you can tell the first day he comes into the game, you know, he's got his shirt tie and he comes a little lady shaking. He's got the and, you know, and he's got a headache. Or he's like, ah, you know. Right. And um, so uh, you can tell by his son looking at him. You know, like, what, what, what are you doing? And the coach is like, look, just, just focus. You know, I got this. Um, and then that brings us to a famous scene where Gene Hagman gets up and he just starts yelling at the ref. You know, he's like, "Kick me yeah. out!" He's testing. He's, like, he's testing shooter right. process by getting himself thrown out. Of I the love game. it so it's... much. He's like, he's like, he's like, "Kick me out of the game." He's like, "What?" He's like, "Just kick me out of the game." <laughs> right. He's like, oh, "All right." He's like, "You're out of here!" And then it's like, "What? What? Okay, what?" You know. And he comes over and he he takes that little leather playbook or whatever mm-hmm. he had, and he hands it to him. He's like. You need I've to bring it again. Yeah, he's like, yeah. done again. You need to bring us home or whatever. Right. And so you can see him. He's got the look of shock. So one of the players says, "Hey, I think I can. You know, we should double team with him." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea." And then uh, you can see he's starting to get his wheels going again. And uh, I think that that moment was critical for the rest of the movie because it shows uh, his son that hey, you know, his son even opened up then, and uh, they started congealing, you know, gelling as a team. Um. Another, you know, so they're winning games now at this point of the movie. Um, so they're really got something going. And, you know, you would see Dennis Hopper getting his head ducked into the water all because he'd fall back in the stuff, you know. Um, but there comes a time when he gets sent to rehab. And uh, I think that's a, a staggering statement because if you're, if anybody listening to this is struggling with that, don't be afraid to get help. Um, it's not only affecting you, it's affecting your family, sure. even though you don't see it. So I wanted to throw that little public service announcement out there. But uh, <laughs> It's a good one. But, but, but this time, uh, his, his son and him have bonded. And you can see that as they're going through their, the, the, the rest of the series. But we finally get up to the game. I, I, I don't remember if it's a playoff game yet or not. But uh, basically, you know, they get, uh, they get in a fight. And one guy gets shoved through, like, the trophy cases. Our shoulder is bleeding. So Ollie has to come into the game, right? So they foul Ollie. And Ollie's basically just the equipment manager, you know, he, and he, he goes to the line to win the game with free throws, right? So he gets up there and he does the granny shot, mm. <laughs> misses or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the one guy walks up to him and he's like, I didn't know they grew him so little down on the farm or whatever. Yeah. You know, you just wanted to punch, go through the screen you know, and punch Reggie, that guy. Reggie Miller used to do that a lot. Oh, yeah. Maybe he got it from, yeah. uh, from but, the movie. Right. Um, it's him and Spike Lee. I mean, we can just yeah. do a whole we can do a series whole on that. On that yeah. Um, so then Ollie gets up there and he makes the shot, you know, the granny style, and everybody just goes crazy. Ah, so now we're getting into like the playoff time, right? So um, 
one thing I always th- thought was cool was it was showing winning. You see the coaches having a good time. The the teams having a good time. You see them uh, going down the the road with like a bandwagon of people following the bus. You know what I mean? They're actually traveling the state with them. Yeah. Um, so then you know we have the one guy on the team. Um, they're, they're playing and uh, remember he gets down there on the floor and uh, starts praying. <laughs> Strap. Strap. Yeah. He's, he gets down there and he starts praying. He's the uh, he's the son of a minister who owned the bus. Right, and they would uh, every it year the... they would paint the bus so for basketball season. Right, right. so he would, he, you know, uh, he get down there, and, and Coach Normandale's like, "Shut, shut." He's like, "Ah, he does this all the time, Coach." So you know, he goes up. He's like, "Well, is he gonna be ready for the game?" He's right. like, "Maybe." Right. So finally, you see Ollie's like, "Ollie, you're going to the game." He's like, "Well," and finally, Strap runs out. He's like, Phew. "You know, <laughs> thank you." So um, it's just so much in this movie. Um, is, is pertained to families. Yeah, just the relational di- dynamic between, you know, uh, Shooter and his son, and then you know, Coach Dale and, and Shooter, and, and just then the, you have, uh, the importance uh, of relationships. And we didn't even talk about The lady that was watching uh, Jimmy. Uh, My, Myra Fleener, right. right the, so they, they had a relationship too. But right. then Norman Dell, I think him and them kind of, he kind of respected him too there too. Right, right. Um, so now we come down to the championship game, right? Wow. Uh, well, already? Not yet, oh, but. Yeah. But I can't remember exactly in the movie where this happens, but Shooter goes into rehab. And I remember him, uh, you know, listening on the radio. You know, he's right. like, son, I want to do this. I want to get better. And you see him, like, getting dried out or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you hear him turn on the radio. I think it might be, like, the semifinal game. And, uh, you know, they're playing and they end up winning or whatever. And you see him jumping on the bed like, oh, we're going to the state finals. We're right. going to the state finals, you know. And then you see his son come and visit him while he's there, you know. And, I, and he said, we're going to win this for you, Dad. Yeah, that's you know? a great scene. Yeah, I mean, it's moving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I had heard or read somewhere where they actually had written a Shooter as, you know, coming out of rehab and then actually – being at the game, I don't know if it was Ann Spall or Pizzo that had written that in, but then they decided, no, we're going to focus. They took it out and left him in rehab because they felt like that was more important to show that aspect of him actually understanding that him being in rehab and sort of restoring his family was more important than the game. And I thought that and was that, amazing. that was great. You know, that was really putting the importance on where it should have been. That's right. Um Go ahead. Do you have any other uh, any other things over there in your uh, notes? No, that, we that came, was just something we that going. just came to my mind when you were bringing up the the final uh, final right. game. Um, so um, no team had ever made it that far, which is true. They are the smallest team in the in the Milan Miracle section of my notes. They're the smallest team, the smallest school, excuse me, with an enrollment of 161. Uh, Milan was the smallest school to ever win a single-class state basketball. And a lot of others, Indiana was late to the game as far as class basketball. We had class football and other sports. But really, that was what made Indiana high school basketball so great, just from a historical perspective, was the fact that it was single-class all the way up until 1997. So it was really a David versus Goliath for a lot of years, and that's what made uh, the Milan Miracle so great was – you know, this was something that was accomplished that, you know, was unheard of or unthought of that a team that small uh, from a school that small but uh, could defeat a, a much uh, bigger school with a, a larger enrollment. And uh, so, yeah, I just really thought the movie in, in, in general, it, it captured 
that aspect of Indiana basketball, the mm-hmm. essence of it. I thought that was really, really good. Yeah, uh, like the underdog feel. Sure. Um, that's a great story, and that, that plays in a lot of sports movies, and, you know, and Rudy as well. I right. mean, that's a, a large theme in that movie as well. But it was – I really enjoyed that part of it, and that's what makes it so compelling. That's why there are – towns with only 1100 people but they have a you know they have a gym that seats 5000 people there are all over places like that in the state where the the popula- the town's population is you know one fifth or you know half of the uh, the capacity at their gyms right and um, i thought it was something else that was interesting if you remember when normandale first gets there um, they say well there's there only he's, how many pe- boys are here to play basketball he's like well there's 64 people he's like boys and he's like no in the entire school right right uh, but what he didn't understand is that those boys were actually working on the farm you sure. know the other parts of the year you know they were actually farm hands and I thought that was interesting that he could take a group of them and put them all together because if you look at them they weren't the most talented people you know nope. what I mean? But they came together as a team. And right. I think that's the, you know, team play is better than a single Yeah, that's person. another good theme in the movie, too. Right. Yeah. So now we get to the championship game. All right. I think it's about time to get there. Yeah. Unless you have any other side things before no, we No, I've got tons of stuff. but Oh, know. go no, for no, it. No, no, You go ahead. We'll, we'll, that's a good place to start. The okay, well, we'll start launching here. Launching point with the championship right. game. So we've, we've made it to the championship game. Now, for those of you that haven't watched a spoiler alert, they're in the championship <laughs> game. Okay, well, I think we've given a lot away. Um so they're in the championship game, and the first thing Normandale does is when he gets off the bus and he takes them into the gym, they're all like, whoa, you know, because this stadium seats way more than anything they've ever seen. Uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse at the time, yeah, right? or which Butler, Butler Fieldhouse right. now. So um, what I really like about this is he had put, uh, one of the guys puts Ollie on his back and he gets the tape measure, and they, you know, they measure from here to here. He's like, well, and what's that? And he gives them the thing. He's like, huh. And then he measures, like, I think from the, to the free throw line, and yep. he says, what's that? And they tell him feet. fifteen feet, and he's like, "You see, he's like, this is the exact same as your as yours back home." He yeah. says, "He's just you got to block out these people." He's like, "There's going to be a lot of people here," so I like that um, perspective that he took them in there and said, "Look, it's the same. You know, it may just be a bigger stage, but it's the exact same of what you're used to." And uh, for this scene, um, when they. Uh, after that, when they go and they're they're getting prepared, Coach Normandell delivers one of the best speeches I've ever heard, and I am about ready to throw this in here because I didn't want to cut this out because once you hear this, um, it it really makes you uh, interested in whatever uh, from from the thing. So we'll go ahead and put this in here right now, so you give this a listen. in tournament play and not talk about the next step until you've climbed the one in front of you. I'm sure going to the state finals is beyond your wildest dreams, so let's just keep it right there. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again, and most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? 
right, so there you have it. If that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what yeah, will. I don't, I don't um, know if you have blood coursing through your veins. Right, oh. <laughs> pumping. I'm, I mean, I'm ready to go take on the world. Right. Um, so then we start we start the game, and man, they're just they're just not really into it. They're getting pretty much hammered. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of back and forth. Right. Yeah, and they they are down early in the game, but um, yeah, I've got a, a, go note, a note here. Um, well, well, we'll come to the the, the glorious finish, uh, the finish of the game, which is uh, is the the best part of the movie. Obviously, the apex, the crescendo right. of the the movie itself. Uh, yeah, I've got something over here about that too. But um, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Chitwood in this scores at least twenty six of Hickory's forty two points in the championship game. Okay, I never. Um, even though in the real life, um, I had to hear that when they the Bobby Plump. Yeah, you well, got his, uh, stat line. Well, what I'm saying is. The final score was only thirty-two to thirty. Right. Uh, that's my. That actually leads me to my note. Well, go for it. Um, the the coach, um, Coach Wood, the Milan's coach, he was really notorious or famous for uh, what he called the cat and mouse game, which is what we call today probably uh, would be. We probably would call it a four corners basketball, uh, and obviously there's no shot clock in uh, high school basketball, so a lot of. Uh, difficult. If you were playing a difficult opponent, it was really a game of keep away and run out the clock. Right. So in the real life game, Bobby Plump, who was played by Jimmy Chitwood, Bobby Plump actually held the ball for over four minutes before shooting that last final winning shot, <laughs> which doesn't make for uh, good cinema. So obviously they they changed it up a little bit from the actual story. But right. uh, yeah, that wouldn't have been a very exciting ending if we just watched four minutes <laughs> of him holding the ball, but. I thought that was interesting, and it was a low. The actual game was a really low-scoring affair, right? Thirty-two, thirty, like you mentioned before. So, um, one thing about that is the Travel Airs who sung the national anthem. Um, they never auditioned for it. It was that night. They weren't even in the script. It was that night that no one had heard them sing the national anthem, and they was filmed all in one take that very first time really? on that night. I didn't yes. know that. Yeah, I thought that was a very so interesting. the quartet that sang the national anthem, at right? The, the Travel Airs. Okay, yep. and then during the final. So I thought that was a really interesting thing. Before we got too further, I want to make sure we mentioned them. Um, one thing is that the filmmakers had trouble f- uh, filling up Hinkle Fieldhouse with extras for the final game. Um, oh, they, I find that surprising. I remember, you know, I remember um, something when I was a kid saying, "Hey, we need people to come out here, whatever." Um, but they needed more people around. Uh, they had to move people around for different shooting angles. You know what I mean? Um, and they also, you know, they want to make sure people had the 1950s hairstyle and their clothing was appropriate. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? So. Um, I thought that was really uh, interesting. So here you are. You're, you're, you're down in the final. You're, you're down to the final minute of the game, and in the movie, it, it's thrilling. You know, actually, it might be in a few seconds. And I think there's like nine seconds left, if I remember right. I can't remember. It's been a, uh, I seen it about two weeks ago, but uh, you know, they go over to the bench. You know, they call timeout, and uh, shooters are you know, yeah, yeah, and he's like. I think we're going to run the pig, you know, the pig offense. And they told he tells the other guy that he's going to shoot the ball. Uh, he's like, they're doubling Jimmy. We want you to shoot the ball. And then you just see the whole team just deflated, like, Whew. and he's right. like, "What's the what, matter? With what's you wrong guys? with you guys?" You know. And then uh, they look at Jimmy. He's like, "I'll make it, coach." <laughs> one of the best three lines that he had is, "I'll make it." That that's right. that's one of the great lines. It's. Uh, so man, highly motivated, right. a motivational and very emotional. So, so when he gets the ball, you you know you are just boy the the, the tension there. You can cut up with the live. You know you're on the edge of the seat, right. and then you know he they take off with whatever times left, and you know he goes up and um, shoots the ball. 
Now, an interesting fact is um, that they said that one, they told the guy that was playing Jimmy Chibble, they said, look, once you shoot the ball, make it or miss it, people are going to storm the, storm the court because okay. we're going to do this. We have people storming the court because it's the final shot of the game. Luckily, he made the shot. Wow. Because they had all these them people rush the floor, you know what I mean? And you see all the motions, people crying. Dennis Hopper's jumping on his bed. We did it. You know, right. we did it. We did it. That's so, another great scene at the end of the movie. Uh, one of my favorites where the coaches come together and congratulate right. one another and you really kind of have a conversation in the middle of the court. Well, not and only that, that. That's just mutual respect for one another. Yeah, that, that's a great Not uh, only that, but when scene. he makes that shot, um, you see the other team just devastated. Oh, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Right. And, and you can just see, I mean, that's how much that basketball means to the state of Indiana. Right. I mean, it just And to those them. players, sure, right? yeah. So, um, so now that we're – you got anything else? Um, uh, well, just, just post-game and the actual Milan miracle, um, there were 40,000 people that descended on the small town of uh, Milan who had a population of 1,150 at the time. <laughs> wow. Uh, the next day, as they returned home from Indianapolis um, – on State Road, Road 101, which leads into Myland, uh, the the line uh, spanned 13 miles of people there to congratulate them on winning wow. the state championship. I thought that I wonder, was. I wonder what really, that did for the old. Uh, wow. You know, the little town. Can you, you imagine? Know? Like that's more. Uh, that uh, that would just be something that you would never forget the rest of your life. Right. Obviously. And you got to remember, this is a time where there was no social media. There hardly was any TV. I don't even know if there was TV, but as far as the radio is all they had. Um, so the exposure that they got just from the radio, there wasn't, you know, maybe sure. the newspaper the next day or whatever would put it out. Um, and, but and now you can watch like any ball game on your phone if oh, you want. You know it's what I mean? Easy so, access, sure. Right. But uh, yeah, since uh, since then, fewer than half of the 751 schools entered in the 1954 tournament exist today. That's really interesting to think about there's less than half of the 750 uh, with increased urbanization and suburbanization throughout the state um, the schools became much larger obviously they consolidated and there right. aren't those small uh, town schools like there were back then so right and I, and I think that's part of the um, the draw to the, even today to the NCAA tournament oh uh, yeah when, the you, one get, and when done. you get them sure. underdoggers yeah. And there, you know what I mean? And, and they get a chance to go up against the big dogs. They're on actual TV. That would never have happened if the, they didn't. The one shining moment, yeah, that has a lot of pull. And, and people watch it in mass every March because of that right. That feeling, uh, that the, the, the Milan story, the Hoosier story right. uh, on a college platform, sure. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. So, Eric, why don't you go ahead and break down this movie for me? Give me your thoughts. Your well, feelings. I think you know what I what I think of the movie. But I know, but what does the audience um, know? I, I definitely would recommend it. Not for me personally. Obviously, I'm I'm going to go out there and say I'm biased because I love the game of basketball. I have since I was very young. Obviously, I live in a state where it's uh, it's played uh, all the time. It's it's around. Um, but I mean that wouldn't be the only reason I would watch the movie. I, there are great storylines woven throughout the entire movie. Uh, it's a great inspirational movie. It, it's emotional at times. Uh, you know, it, it has a lot of great themes of uh, family and teamwork and hard work and discipline. And uh, that's just a couple. That's just a couple. And then uh, really, in Dennis Hopper's. Uh, portrayal and, and and the whole how alcoholism affected his family and how he worked uh, to come back from that. It's a great story of redemption. 
so yeah, I mean, I give it five stars, obviously. Not just from the basketball aspect. I mean, we could talk about that um, all day, but uh, the movie itself, uh, I just thought they did a great job, and I think that's why it's always near the top right. on and, sports movies. And what I love about this movie is everything that you said, too, but also that it's a pretty clean movie. Um, I don't know if there's hardly anything in it. Uh, maybe one cuss word, maybe, maybe two. Um, it just no, shows the show that if you have a great story, you don't need, you don't need to fill it with a that's lot of stuff. all that other stuff. Yeah. And that's one thing that I always like to and, and one thing I remember is um, those of you that are older like us, I remember <laughs> McDonald's. Um, there was one um, summer season or whatever where they actually, you could get four VHS movies uh, when you ordered a, a large meal or whatever, one of them was Hoosiers. Okay. Uh, one of them was like um, Puff the Magic Dragon. You know, one of them was something else. There was like two other ones. Uh, but this was one that I got on VHS. I wore that thing down. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, just and the music. Uh, the music. Just every time I hear it, you just start getting pumped. You start thinking about right you know, now. Did you see the movie in the movies back then? No, because I saw it on VHS I for I, the no, first time. I, I never saw it actually. No, in the I was. Theater. I was. The problem me is when I was really young, I was a baseball fan. Yeah. Um, that was my first That's love. That's why I started out playing baseball. And then yeah. about junior high, we were on the same baseball team, yeah, too, if yeah, I remember we were, back in Yeah, we played a lot of sports grade. teams right. together. Um, and then we went to basketball. Um, then, But see, what did it for me is baseball had that strike, and it just it ruined me. You know what I mean? Right. So then I started liking basketball, you know, junior high through slash high school, and then you, then you come to the realization of football. And you're like, where has this been all my life? I mean, I'd watched football, you know right. what I mean? Um, but yeah, the movie itself was, yeah, it's like uh, watching today's NBA. I can barely do it. Um, just because the rules have changed, um, they don't call fouls or traveling and all that, you know, I just, I can't, I can barely stand to watch it. And where has all the shooters gone? I mean, yeah, you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, you know what I mean? But I mean, and you don't really have rivals anymore. Like when we would watch it, you know, Reggie Miller versus the Knicks, you know, Pacers and Knicks, that was something you're going to watch. Um, and then when they do the stupid, you know, they had the brawl in Detroit, it just kind of turned me off. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so, but then back to this movie. <laughs> yeah, I could go on a tangent for there for a while. Yeah, but, that's all right. But this movie is fantastic. Um, the Even though uh, Gene Hagman didn't want nothing to do with this movie, I think he did an outstanding performance in this movie, too. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Dennis Hopper. I, I, uh, one thing also, all the people in this movie, all the players, were from Indiana, except for one, which was the one that played Dennis Hopper's son. He was an actual actor. The players, you right? Mean. They were actually basketball yeah, players. Yeah, I, I read too. something somewhere too. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, it. No, you're good. But they had to kind of uh, unteach the the guy, the '80s guys. They were, it was like a large casting call for basketball player type guys in the state of Indiana, and you know they come into the audition and they're going behind the back and doing right. all these uh, really, well, I mean, more modern moves. Um, and they had to like tone it down. Yeah, they, they were and, like, and we they don't want like, any you between have to the play, legs. Yeah, you have to back. you have to play like a 1950s player, and uh, a lot of the the skills were at a higher level, obviously in the 80s than in the 50s. And so they had to sort of tone it down for those guys and tell them, all right, look, you've got to do it this way so that it looks authentic. Well, I they also that said that the, the style back in the 50s or whatever was when they would shoot off one leg. Uh-huh. You know, what I mean, <laughs> a lot of people were used the to that shot, right? Right. So. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, definitely give it a look. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite sports movies. Um, although you need to watch that probably the Yankees from the last episode because that's, that's stuck with me. I mean, it is really fantastic. 
But this movie uh, resonates for me from when I was a kid. Right. And I, anytime it's on, I'll just sit down and be like, "Wow, here we go." You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not paying any attention to anything else when this is on. When I get a chance to see it, so if you don't own this movie, definitely buy it. Uh, I mean, you will not regret it. And if you haven't seen it, and you always want to know what a Hoosier was, <laughs> watch that movie. Then you'll start to understand what a Hoosier really is. Sure. Well, thanks, Eric, for coming on. Um, Thank you. If you Appreciate ever want the opportunity, if you ever want to come back. Door is always open. Uh, okay. Talk some more sports movies. Maybe do have you sit in with Terrence, and we'll do uh, some crazy movies. Okay. Uh, maybe have you on a real talk. You know, okay, it'd be some fun. Get your right. information too. So I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And cut. Cut. cut.